0: My name is Taylor. If you've never met before, hello. Uh, I get the privilege of speaking with us today uh, for this third week of the sermon series that we've been in, which I think is cool that Father's Day lands in the middle of the sermon series. So uh, if you're new with us, maybe you don't know what a sermon series is. It's just what we call, how we, we, we preach what we call sermon series, which is just we'll talk about kind of the same general thing for a few weeks uh, with really like specific things each week and, and kind of overall topic. And so the sermon series that we're in right now We're calling life and death. And it comes from the book of Proverbs that says that the power of the tongue holds life and death, right? Just just basically, we're talking about the fact that the words that we speak have power and impact on the world that we live in, right? So the first week, Steve talked to us about uh, just that fact, that your words have power. He said that words build words. How did God create uh, build worlds, How did God create the world, right? He he spoke it into existence. How did he create light? How did he create us? He spoke it into existence. Words create worlds. Last week, he talked to us about being encouragers, godly encouragers. And then this week, I think it's cool that uh, it lands on Father's Day because today we're talking about the word sorry. We're talking about apologizing. We're talking about owning up to our mistakes, to our mishaps, to our misdeeds, uh, and and issuing just a really genuine heartfelt apology. And I think it's cool that that lands on Father's Day for two reasons. Two main reasons. The first reason is this. Uh, I think I would say on average, men are much worse at apologizing for real than women are. And that's a, a generalization. Maybe you're a dude in here and you're great at apologizing. Maybe you're a woman and you suck at apologizing. Either way, glad you're here. But I think in general, men are a lot worse at apologizing than women are. And I also think the second part that, it, that it's cool that it's on Father's Day is that as parents, apologizing is as important as like breathing and consuming water and sleeping, right? Like apologizing is, is huge, right? I've been a dad for two months and already I can see the trajectory of the way things are going because right now my son is, he's two months old. He doesn't know anything. He's an infant. He can't, you know, think. He's just around vibing, having a good time, right? So... When I get upset and I call him a little crackhead looking raccoon boy, he has no idea what I... Some of you said, all don't do that. If you've ever seen a newborn, you know. Like their their baser animal instinct, their instinct is the animal of a raccoon. They just are raccoonish. And so my son is that way, right? And right now, as long as I say it like this and I have a happy face, he doesn't care. But one day he's going to know the words that I'm saying, And at that point, if I don't start now kind of getting myself in check, I'm going to be sitting in therapy in 18 years that I'm paying for talking about things that I said in the next few years that I just wasn't thinking about. And so the ability to apologize is really powerful and impactful as parents and especially, I think, as fathers. Because like jokes aside... I, this is like, this is serious, right? How many, don't raise your hands in here, but how many fathers in here have grown kids that you don't really have a relationship with because of things that you said or things that you did when they were younger, when they were growing up? Or the other side of it, how many kids in here, how many sons or daughters don't really have a good relationship with your parents because of things that maybe you did, maybe you said that they didn't agree with, or maybe things that they said that you just couldn't let go, it's not just families, though. It's outside of that. How many people in here have friendships or business relationships or anything like that that are either have fallen apart or are falling apart because of unresolved conflicts, just disagreements, unissued apologies? Man, it's serious. It happens. The title of today's message is Build Better Bridges. We're kind of playing on the words Build. Kind of theme, right? Build better bridges. I stole that from a, a song title, Building Better Bridges. It's a weird song. Don't look it up. Um, but we're talking about building bridges. We're talking about using our words, using a heartfelt apology to rebuild and start to rekindle some of those relationships that have been, you know, kind of left behind. We might feel like. My whole goal today is to give you some tools, some guidance, and hopefully a little bit of a kick in the butt to go and start rebuilding these bridges. And it can feel daunting. It can feel difficult because the Bible tells us that it's going to be hard. The Bible tells us that relationships are tough. This is what the Bible says in the Proverbs in chapter 18. It says, a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. All right, a brother wronged, more unyielding than a fortified city. We know that if we look at our own lives because we are that, right? When we are wronged, we love that right? We might, you know, we're mad about it, right? But we love We love being the victim. We love being able to, to say that I was right. You were wrong. You owe me and blah, 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 whatever else, right? And I want to give you like, like, on, on a, like on a side tip, if you're a Christian, you can't do that. Like that's not, it's not okay to live in that, right? We talked about forgiveness before. It's all over the Bible. Uh, you can't live in unforgiveness and be a follower of Christ that's totally sold out for the Lord. It just doesn't work that way. So if you find yourself in that boat, Start praying for forgiveness, start praying that God would would kind of change your heart on that, right? But what I want to focus on today is the second half of that verse, because I think it's really powerful, right? He said, disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Does anybody know what a citadel is, besides a bank? (laughs) Because that's all, the only place that I see citadel outside of the Bible is the bank, right? The only time I see it or I hear it. And so I wanted to look it up to see exactly what it is, because I like have an idea, some kind of fortress thing for being safe, right? But I wanted to look it up to know exactly what it was, and the, the definition that I found was, was really powerful. I felt like it gave this verse life in a way that, that it hadn't for me prior to it, right? And this is what, this is what the uh, definition is that I found. It says, a citadel is a fortified structure or stronghold that is designed to provide protection and defense against external threats. It's designed to provide protection and defense against external threats. So when we know that and we reread that verse that disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel, I think it helps it to make a lot more sense. Because you'll find in your life, and i found in my life, when disputes come up, when conflict arises, when you're in a fight and when you're in a disagreement, when you're in a spat, when you're just not seeing eye to eye with somebody, we're really quick to drop into self-defense mode, right? What does that really mean? We're quick to drop into ego defense mode, right? I want to protect my, just my rightness, my ability to be right, my, my, the principle of it, my ego. We protect that. We throw up the walls. We close the gates down. We become unyielding, like this verse said. And we start to defend against external threats. And here's the thing. If you and I are in a disagreement and I am closed down and I'm defending against external threats, what am I defending against? defending against you. And you're probably defending against me. And so this is why we see relationships fall apart over things that seem really stupid from the outside. Then when we'll look back on that relationship that we were once so close and now we can't stand each other. What are the things that got in the way? Probably something very simple, right? Because two people who are defending themselves against each other are never going to be able to connect. So I saw this happen uh, in my own life just a few years ago. So Steve last week talked about Elliot Sr., and then his son Elliot, who now has a son also named Elliot. So I refer to him as Sr., Little Elliot, and Middle Elliot. So Middle Elliot and me have been buddies for a long time. You know him, Montgomeryville. You've seen him all day today. Uh, Here, you guys have seen him. Steve referred to him last week as Sunshine. You remember from, remember the Titans? It's a great movie. It's a great Father's Day movie, actually. Side, Side note. But Elliot, me and Elliot have been buds for a long time. I remember his first week here at Journey Church. He was sitting right over here in the corner area. Uh, I was on the worship team. We came off the stage. We went in the back and said, did you guys see that dude that was jumping around over in the corner? That was crazy. We should talk to him. So we talked to him, joined the team, and then we've just kind of been friends ever since. We were friends through some really uh, like powerful parts of our lives, through him starting to date. Bella, who uh, he's now married to, right, starting to date and then getting engaged and getting married to Bella, then starting to have kids, Uh, me starting to date, my wife getting married, starting to have kids, him graduating college, uh, you know, starting to work a journey, starting to work a journey full time, this becoming like his calling and his purpose. Uh, me working some different jobs, ending up working at Journey, ended up working here full-time, this becoming my calling and my purpose. And we got to go through all of that together, and it was really, uh, formed a really strong bond. But about a year and a half ago, uh, we were at each other's throats in a way that was just not healthy. Like, we weren't friends, and we were hardly co-workers. Like, we were were people who worked in the same place, doing the same things, and sometimes kind of had to deal with each other. And the whole reason is just because for, you know, the best part of a year, we let little disagreements, little spats, little offenses build up without resolving any of them. And what was uh, honestly like a brotherhood had kind of dissipated into just bitterness uh, and, and frustration and, and anger. And we couldn't really, it, it, was, it was hard to work with each other. You know what turned things around? Nothing did. Like we tried different things with work, we tried whatever, nothing turned it around until... You also have to know most of it was my fault. So that's going to give this more context. Nothing really changed anything until I came to Elliot and said, dude, I'm sorry. I came and I apologized and that started to turn things around, right? This is the power of a real genuine bridge building apology, right? It's that, that olive branch that you extend, that first admission that, hey, man, I was wrong. That first apology sometimes is the very first step in starting to heal and rebuild that bridge, rekindle that friendship and that relationship. And the Bible tells us that that's true in the book of James in chapter 5. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What's he saying there? He's saying you need to own up to what you have done when you are in conflict, confess your sin, confess your part to each other, and start to heal Right, and here's the thing. Uh, Steve sent me this quote last week, and I love it. Like, if I could only, like, if I had one sentence left, and then I had to leave, you're not that lucky. That's not the case. But if it was the case, this is the sentence I would choose, and it says this: Apologizing does not always mean that you're wrong and the other person is right. It means that you value your relationship more than your ego. Right? Apologizing means that you value your relationship more than you value your own. Ego. And this is why apologizing can be so hard, right? Because it's hard to sacrifice your ego. It's hard to give up your right to be right. It's hard to sacrifice your principle, right? It's much easier to just be mad. You know what I mean? It takes a lot less work. It takes a lot less humility. It's a lot more comfortable to do. But at a certain point, you got to kind of decide. Like, am I going to let this relationship... Totally embitter itself and just dissolve into nothing, or am I going to put on a little bit of humility and am I going to come to the table with a sorry? And when you decide to come to the table with a sorry, you need to remember, like I keep referring to, a genuine apology or a real apology, a heartfelt apology. And I say that because most of the time that we apologize, we don't mean it. Most of the times that we say sorry, if you were to take stock of the number of times in the past week that you said sorry, if you were to look at it, I think most of them you probably didn't mean or you didn't even know what you were apologizing for, right? We throw that word around a lot for a lot of reasons. We use it to smooth out situations. We say it just because we think we have to, to be able to move on. Like we apologize all the time, but we don't mean it. You see, apology is more than just words. It, it's an action. It's something that you do. It's, it's something you act out, right? So today we're going to talk about that. How do you act sorry? And it doesn't mean we're going to pretend to be sorry, but how do you act sorry? How do you act out your apology, right? We're going to take it in kind of three steps, right? And the first step to acting sorry is this. You have to acknowledge, right? If you want to apologize for something, you have to know what is it that you're apologizing for, and that sounds kind of silly and it sounds like common sense, but how often do we say sorry just, again, out of obligation, right? Guys, how many times are you at home, you watching TV, watching a movie, watching a game, playing a game, reading a book, like whatever you do, tinkering with something and your wife or one of your kids comes up and they want to talk about something that happened and what do you say? Oh, I'm sorry. Sure. I'm, my fault. I won't do it again, right? What are you sorry about? I don't know. What are you going to do different? I don't know. What are you not going to do again? We'll we'll find out, right? We say sorry all the time. We don't mean it because we don't know what was going on. So you have to know what you're apologizing for. And here's the thing. Acknowledging your part of the apology is not just knowing what you did. It's understanding how what you did, what you said, affected the other person. Right? Because every person, you got to remember, every person is their own person with their own story and their own history. And no matter how close you are to that person, you're never going to know their whole story. There's things inside people that nobody really can understand except for them. Right? And so different things mean different things to different people. And so uh, what you thought was just a comment might have really torn at a wound that that person has had from childhood that you didn't know about what you thought was just a, you know, a little joke that might've hit somebody right in an insecurity that they've had since they were a child, right? You thought it was just a look where they took it a whole different way because of their history and the things that they've been through and just the way that they are wired. See, this was one of the biggest turning points uh, for me and Elliot. We ended up in a conversation at one point that, that I learned a lot about Elliot and a lot about kind of what was really going on in, in, in our frustrations with each other, right? I think people have, I would call them uh, emotional sunburns, where just something happened and it just kind of burnt you and, and you're just kind of sensitive in that area, right? And so I was, Elliot had these emotional sunburns because of different things that had, that had happened with him that he's dealt with. And I unknowingly, in the way that we were working together and communicating together, I was smacking him over and over and over again. So I don't know if you've ever, like, been to the beach or the pool or whatever. You get super sunburnt. Somebody comes up to you the next day, and they smack you on the shoulder, and you just want to punch them in the mouth, but your hands are sunburnt too, so you know that would hurt. So you just cry. You just stand there and try to, you know, suck in your tears, right? That's what I was doing to Elliot over and over, and I didn't realize it. I learned that uh, the way that I communicate, typically, the way that I will speak, I, you know, as most jerks do, I would like to think, oh, I'm just straight to the point. You know I mean? I'm matter of fact. I don't sugarcoat it. I just get to the meat, you know, whatever else, right? Uh, normal people see that as like mean and brash and jerkish. And so I learned that about myself, that I, I have a tendency to do that, especially with the people that I work with. I learned that the insecurities that I have, a lot of them are the same insecurities that Elliot had, and that was putting us at odds with each other. Right. And so I came out of this conversation uh, with a lot more understanding of what our situation really was. And here's the thing. This wasn't like a nice kumbaya moment. You know, what I mean, we weren't s- sipping juice, sitting around. I was like, what's the softest drink I can think of? Juice. So we're not just sitting around, sipping juices, talking about our feelings and stuff. No, it honestly, it was like a, it was a work conversation that turned into a, well, you and you and I and this and whatever, right? It was like, it wasn't like a fight, but it was not, not a fight. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like an awesome moment, but after that conversation was done, the both of us had a lot better understanding. We could, we could see each other at the end of it. Now, I think for some of you, this is, this is where your part comes in. This, this is where your action step lies, right? You need to call that person. You need to meet up with them in person. Don't text them. Don't email them. Don't try to do it over the phone. Meet up with them in person. Look them eye to eye and let them tell you their side of the story. Let them tell you how your words, your actions affected them. Because here's the thing. I think you'll find that if you get somebody else's point of view, somebody else's side of a story that you're involved in, you'll be really surprised at how different it is from your side of the story, from your point of view right? And this is important because here's the thing. Once Ellie and I were on the same page and I could kind of understand the situation and, and, and what I had done and my part in it, the craziest thing happened. I actually started to feel sorry. I actually, I felt it. I was sorry, right? And that's the second part, right? Number two, the second step is to see it's contrite. Bridge building apologies are contrite, which is a fancy word that means did you actually feel sorry, right? When you're apologizing in a way that's going to heal relationships, you actually feel sorry. It's not just knowing what you did. It's knowing that, how that affected that person, and it's letting that then affect you. And honestly, I think this is one of the hardest parts of a real apology. It is for me because more often than not, I think when we need to apologize, it has more to do with a misunderstanding than intentionally doing something, right? If you intentionally did something to hurt somebody uh, and you follow Christ, like you need to be very quick to go back and say that I should not have done that. That was messed up. That's not a misunderstanding. That's a misdoing, right? You just, you messed up, go fix it, right? That, that's the easy one. But I think more often than not, it's a misunderstanding, right? And this is where I will get myself kind of in a trap because I, I know what I meant. I know what I meant to say. I know that's not what I meant to say. You got me wrong. You have the problem, not me that's your fault. I'm not mad. You're mad. You figure it out. I'll be, I'm good. I'm here whenever you need me, right? How often do we say things like that? I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. That's not what I meant when I said that, right? Or sometimes it's just because that thing that they're upset about, whatever your conflict is in, you just don't care that much. Like it's not that big of a deal to you. You don't understand why it's that big of a deal to that person, right? Suck it up. Suck it up, sweetheart. It's not that big of a deal. Just move on. Grow up. Sometimes we try to compare, right? We try to compare. Dude, you have no idea what my dad used to say to me. You have no idea what my friends used to tell me or do to me when I was growing up. You don't know what my boss used to treat me like in my first job, right? We'll make these comparisons. And the reality is this. I'm guilty of saying pretty much all of these things at some point in some way, then I will tell you two things about all these examples. The first thing is this. They are all, every one of them, excuses. Not one of these is a genuine, valid reason to, to, to do anything. It's an excuse to not take your side of things. It's an excuse to not carry your own burden, right? It's an excuse. It's a way out. And here's the second thing. And again, remember, I do these things. So like I'm preaching to us right now. The second part is this, all of these excuses in some way or another, they all root themselves in pride, right, in arrogance, it's a, it is a pride issue at its core. If you do something that hurts somebody, whether you meant to or not, and you know that you hurt somebody and your first reaction is frustration instead of sympathy, you have a pride issue. If you hurt somebody and you're upset at them for being upset more than you're upset for them for the fact that you upset them, you have a pride issue. And here's the thing. If you find yourself in that kind of boat with me, I want to share you like a side sermon real quick. Something that's going to help you, I think, as it helps me. It's a verse that comes in the book of Romans in chapter 12. And it says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You are not always right. You are not a perfect communicator. And I want to I take a minute to talk about that word, communicator, communication, right? We talk about this a lot. It's kind of one of the popular internet things that we'll talk about. Communication is two parts, all right? Me speaking to you right now is, is not, in itself, communication, right? Communication is two parts. There's expression, and then there's reception. I'm expressing something to you right now, and hopefully, you're receiving what I'm intending to express, right? But sometimes, something gets lost on the way there. And so right now, in this scenario, I'm hoping that communication is happening, right? I'm hoping that I'm expressing these things and that you're receiving them, and this is kind of a best-case scenario, because I had time to think about what I was gonna say, I have an iPad that's telling me what to do, my wife picked me out a nice shirt, I got the mic on, you're all coffeeed up, you got notes on your phone, all the great stuff, right? Like the, the deck is stacked in my favor right now. We should hopefully be achieving good communication. But in those conversations with your coworkers, in those uh, quick comments to your spouse, to your kids, to your family, a lot of times what we're intending to express will get lost and it's not received properly, right? If you are miscommunicating, a miscommunication is always the fault of the communicator, of the expressor. I wanna tell you that. If you are a leader, if you want to be a leader, if you wanna have an impact on your world, which you should, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a leader, it is your responsibility to figure out how to communicate to people in a way that they are gonna receive it, and they are gonna understand what you're saying. In your family, it is your responsibility to figure out how to talk, men, how to talk to your wife in a way that she's going to understand what you're saying. It's your responsibility to figure out how to communicate to your kids in a way that they're going to understand what you're saying and what you're intending to receive. It's not their job to figure you out. Well, he said this, but what does he really mean? That's on you. As the community, and that's not just dads, that's everybody. As a communicator, it is your job to make sure that you're communicating appropriately. None of us are going to hit a 1,000 on that. None of us bat 1,000. We all miscommunicate from time to time, and it's important for us to put our pride away and be able to accept that fact. The other part of it, too, is it doesn't matter what you've been through if you don't know what the other person has been through. So when we try to tell them, well, you have no idea you know, what my dad used to say to me. You have no idea what my boss used to say to me. Well, that's true, but I have no idea who has said what to you in your whole life. So I really don't know what what my words are having an effect on you, right? So it's important for us guys, we have to be able to put our pride to the side and issue an apology that matters. Otherwise, we're going to stay in in these broken relationships and we're going to see a lot of really good things come out of our life because of it. Here's what happens though, if we can't figure out how to feel sorry, if we can't figure out how to be contrite in our apology, one of two things will happen. First thing, we'll apologize just to move the ball along and we won't mean it. The second thing that'll happen, we just won't apologize, right? So we'll we'll issue an apology that we don't mean, which makes things worse. I want to be clear with that. You know that if you've ever been apologized to and you know they didn't mean it, it sucks and it makes things significantly worse. The book that we're reading uh, by Mark Batterson says that uh, an insincere apology compounds the wound. So we'll issue an apology that we don't mean. The other side of it is that we just won't apologize, man. It's your problem. I was right, I think. You didn't understand me correctly. That's your problem. You figured out I'm here. I'm here when, when you're good. You know what I mean? And I'll be honest with you. Neither of those are okay. So I'm, I'm sorry to report to you. Neither of those are good options as Christ followers, neither of them. And that's not just my opinion. That comes from the Bible. And here's what it says, right? In the book of Ephesians, the Bible says this. In chapter four, it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. What does that mean? Mean what you say. Say what you mean. Don't go off apologizing, telling people you're sorry if you don't actually Mean it. That's a lie. The Bible is very clear. Don't say things that you don't mean, right? So now that one's out. So what does that mean? Oh, we're just not going to apologize to anybody, right? No, that's also not a good idea. It's not a good option. Here's why. This is what the Bible says in the book of Matthew. In chapter 5, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Those are kind of weird words for us today. Like we don't bring a gift to the altar. None of you brought a KitchenAid mixer in here to put on the front of the stage and say, thank you, God. Here's my gift. We don't do that, right? Uh, To put this in like today context, what he's saying there is if, if you come into church and you're worshiping real hard, you don't even like these songs, but you got your hands up anyway. You're doing your thing. The lights are moving. Your heart is moving. You're just worshiping God. And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Has something against, not you have something against them. It's not forgiveness you need to give. He's talking about somebody has something against you. You've done something to somebody that you need to go and apologize for. In that moment, it's better for you to leave and go and make that apology than for you to just stay there and try to worship. Because here's the thing. Like, the goodness of God and the love of God is really hard for us to grasp by human understanding, right? Because in in human understanding, if, so I I just told you, my my son is two months old and he's crazy. But if you have a problem with my two-month-old son, we are not cool. Like, you and I are not okay. Don't come up to me talking about, hey, how you doing, nothing. I don't want to talk to you. Figure your stuff out. I don't know how you have a problem with a two-month-old, but figure that out. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Same thing with my wife. Same thing with the people that are really close to me. If you have a problem with my people, we're not cool, until you get that figured out. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna sit here talking like everything's cool because you got a problem with, 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 with my people. I think there's a degree to where God kind of feels that same way, right? We are all God's kids. We are all in the family of Christ. We're members of one body, that Bible verse just said. And so God loves you very much. He loves you the same amount that he loves that other person that you have that problem with. And if you have an apology to issue, he wants you to go and figure that out. So we can't fake our way through an apology, and we can't just not apologize, right? We got to figure out how to feel that, right? How to let it affect us. And I think this is why it's important that this comes second. This is the second step. It comes after acknowledge. Because to be honest with you, it's really hard to look somebody in the eyes and have them tell you how your actions affected them negatively, to have them explain the negative impact that you had on their life. It's really hard to do that and to not feel sorry, to not let that affect you. And if you're in a place where you know what you did and you just can't, like you just don't feel sorry about it, you can't apologize because you can't find a sorry to give, I wanna encourage you with this. It's a very simple prayer. I want you to just pray this over and over and over again over your life. Just pray, God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. God, help me to love people the same way that you love them. We prayed that over and over and over again. And I believe that God will do that if you'll open up your heart to it. I believe that God will change the way that you see things. He will give you empathy that maybe doesn't come from you. He will help you to understand and to see other people's perspectives in a way that's way beyond anything that you're able to comprehend. So if you have a hard time with that one, pray on it. But we got to get there before we can move to the last step, right? And, And the last step is important because it doesn't matter the words that you say, and it doesn't matter how sorry you feel without the last step. And the last one is this, step number three is to transform, transform. You got to change. Your actions should change. The most impactful part of an apology that you make, a bridge building apology, is not the words, it's how your actions change because of it. It's not enough to talk about it, you got to actually be about it. Because here's the thing, if you keep apologizing and you say all the right words and you mean it sincerely from the bottom of your heart, I'm so sorry, and you go back and you do the exact same thing over and over again, and you keep coming back and you keep saying, I'm so sorry, all the right words, and you mean them all, what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to stay in that broken relationship. You're going to stay hurt. You're going to stay in disputes. Because without the action, the words mean nothing. Right For me and Elliot, when we talked our stuff out, it wasn't enough for me to just say, hey dude, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know that I was, I was doing that. I wasn't thinking I should, have, I should have been better. It wasn't enough to just say those things. I had to change the way that I was acting. I had to change the way that we were working together. I had to change the way that I was speaking and, and behaving around him. I had to change things in my life because I valued our brotherhood. I valued our ability to work together. Effectively to change the world for Christ. I valued that more than I valued at that point my desire just to be right, more than I valued my own ego, and it's because God did that. See, a real apology has three parts. It's what we've been talking about this whole time. Real apology has three parts, right? You gotta know it, you gotta feel it, then you gotta do it. You gotta know it. You gotta know what you're apologizing for. Know what happened know what you did wrong. You got to feel it. You got to feel the weight of it. You got to let it affect you. In the third part, you got to do it. You got to change something about it. You got to go give that apology and change your actions. Not because you're trying to get anything out of it, right? You got to check your motives on that. You're not going into an apology hoping that they're going to give you something or hoping that they're, I'm going to apologize for this little thing so that they'll apologize for that big thing that I want them to apologize to me for. We're not going into apology looking to, you know, ease our own conscience, we're going into apology because we value that person and we value that relationship. We want to start uh, moving towards healing together. Remember this too. It's important to know when you're apologizing to somebody here on earth, it's not about you being forgiven. Like that's not the goal. The goal is just that you're giving that person the gift of your apology, the gift of knowing that you know that you were wrong. I made a mistake I, it wasn't a mistake. I did the wrong thing and I shouldn't have done it. And I know that and I'm sorry. Forgiveness doesn't come from people. Like people can forgive us for their part. They can let things go. They can let us off the hook for things that we probably owe them or whatever, right? We can be forgiven that way. But a person on earth cannot take a bad thing and make it good. They can't take a wrong thing and make it right. Only God can do that. But the good news is that God does that regularly, often, and freely. Mark Battison, in this book that we're reading has a really cool quote. He says, we confess our sin to each other for healing and we confess our sin to God for forgiveness. People aren't going to forgive you. Like they can forgive you again for their part, but real forgiveness is found only in God. Here's what the Bible says about it in the book of Acts in chapter three. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is repent and turn. It's two steps. It's action. It's a thought and a action. And here's the thing about the word repent. So repent, much like Citadel, other than that it's not a bank. Uh, I don't see the word repent outside of the Bible very much, pretty much ever, uh, except for like a medieval movie or something. You know what I mean? The word repent I don't see often and I always think of it as just saying you're sorry, right? When you repent, it means you're saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And that's part of it. But the word repent is a lot deeper than that. It also means uh, to have a deep desire to change and turn away from sinful or harmful behavior. There's a song called Repentance, right? And it's by a band called Gable Price and Friends. So if you remember, if you're here for Christmas, we did the skit thing and Speaking of Elliot, Elliot was up here singing the one song. He was crying on the stage. It was crazy. Lights were cool. It was great. That song is by this band called Gable Price and Friends. They have another song called Repentance, right? And in this Repentance song, the chorus is super, super, super powerful. It's really simple. It says, this is my repentance. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm coming home. We make this really complicated sometimes. We add a lot of words that we don't need to add We add a lot of actions to it. We gotta pay a certain amount of money to the church. We gotta go sit in a box with somebody and talk through a screen to them, tell them everything we did. We've got to say a certain amount of prayers or whatever. We make this really hard, but the reality is God has mercy for you. And he's very clear about it, right? Here's a couple of verses. In first John chapter one, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Luke 24, he says, He told them, This is what is written: the Messiah, who's Jesus, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, in repentance, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And then in Proverbs in chapter 28, it says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Any parents in the room or people who run a business, people who lead teams, people who are somehow responsible for communicating really important things to a lot of people? You ever notice in those Really important things that you need to get across, you end up repeating yourself five different times in five different ways just to make sure that the core message you're trying to get through really makes sense to everybody, that everybody understands what you're trying to say. You ever notice that? I think God does the same thing for us all throughout scripture. And I think this is one of the major points he wants to drive home, that I have forgiveness for you. It's ready for you. It's instant It's complete. It's full. And here's the thing, too. If, if, if you're not from church, if this is kind of new to you, if you maybe don't think you believe what we believe and, and you're here because you wanted to play with the rope or whatever, uh, I think this can sound really weird to you. And the truth is that it, it is I. Like, it doesn't make sense, right? God has forgiveness for us that we don't deserve. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. It's not... Just, it's not right, but it is good. It's good and it's God. So this moment right now as a church here in Montgomeryville, we can all stand up together. We're gonna close our eyes, we're gonna bow our heads. And the reason we do that is not because somebody's gonna run around and try to pick your pockets, it's because this is a moment that we believe is 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 really special. This is a holy moment both here and at Montgomeryville. This is a moment that the Holy Spirit of God is moving and he wants to do something in somebody's life. And I think there's two types of, well, there's a bunch of type of people in here. Two types of people I wanna talk to real quick. The first is this, people who you do believe that God has changed you. Like you know the Lord, you've given yourself over to him, you follow Jesus. And I think that you're, realizing that you have some apologies to give. You're realizing that maybe you're not right in certain scenarios and you need to go talk to somebody. And I want to encourage you, use this time right now to just pray that God would give you the words to say. He would give you wisdom. He would give you humility and patience. And he would give you boldness and courage to go and make that call, go meet up with that person and have that conversation that you know you need to have. For some of you, that's going to be your first step. For some of you, You have a first, first step, a zeroth step, if you will. For some of you, I think you walked in here today not believing any of this. You walked, for whatever reason. Maybe you felt like you needed to go to church, but you didn't really know why. Church isn't really your thing. Maybe somebody's been asking you over and over and over again, and so you just came. Maybe it's Father's Day, so you came with your kids. Or maybe it's Father's Day, so you came with your parent. Or you came with some friends because you're really good at roping and you wanted to win a sticker. Maybe you just like the hat. Whatever reason, like there's reasons that you're in here besides wanting to come and be in the presence of God. And I think that over the course of singing these songs and sitting here and talking about the word of God, I think that you're starting to realize that maybe there's something to this that you didn't think was there before. You maybe don't understand it. You maybe can't put it into words, but you feel something in your heart. And I'm gonna tell you what that is. The Bible says that God stands at the door of your heart and knocks, and that if you will open the door, that's the only way that he will come in. He's not gonna force himself on you. He's not forcing forgiveness on you. He's not forcing freedom on you. Freedom from addiction, freedom from shame and from guilt, regret. He's not going to force that on you, but he has it for you and he wants to give it to you. Because like we said earlier, he loves you despite anything you've ever done, despite anywhere you've ever been, despite who you are. He loves you and he wants to forgive you. He wants you to walk in a new life. He wants to make you a new creation, the Bible says. And so if that's you in this place, I want to tell you, opening that door is so easy. We make it a big deal. A lot of things we make, it is a big deal, but we make it super complicated. We put a lot of rules around it. You have to come to a class and you have to say these specific words. You have to do this song and dance. You have to take a special communion. or you know, whatever else, right? We, we make this really complicated, but the, the chorus of that song is all that we need in this moment. I'm sorry, I love you, I'm coming home. Those three, three little statements are so powerful right now. And so I wanna give you that opportunity in this place. If you feel like you feel God knocking at the door of your heart, you feel like you need to step into that forgiveness that doesn't make sense. I wanna give you this opportunity to be prayed over. We're not gonna gonna have you come to the front. We're not gonna have people gather around you and touch you or anything weird. We're just, I want you in just a moment to lift your hand up so that I know that we know we can be praying with you. So in this place, if that's you, if you feel like the spirit of the Lord is tugging on your heart and you feel like you need to accept Jesus, I wanna give you this opportunity right now. Just lift your hand into the air, just like you're gonna ask a question at school. Just lift your hand into the air so that we know I see you up there. Yeah amen one more minute I'm going to give you a minute at Montgomeryville as well if you feel like you need to find forgiveness that doesn't make sense to you you need to step into freedom from something that's been holding you down I want to give you this opportunity and we'll pray together come on let's pray (laughs) Father God thank you for the freedom that you give us for the forgiveness that you have in store for us God we thank you that what your word says is true that your mercy is new Every morning. God, we love you. For anything that that we have done against your kingdom, God, we're sorry. And Lord, we're coming home. We're coming home to you because you are the reason that, that, that we have breath. God, thank you for everything that you have chosen to do in this church, God, that you've chosen to do today, that you are doing in our lives right now, God. We know that we can never repay it. We know that you don't expect us to, Lord. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Come on, guys. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.